0: This fan base is amazing, the city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be
1: anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got
0: all sorts of room to the 30. 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, toward the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away
1: by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead
0: to Adams Woods. To Julius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. That's the one-handed catch hands it off to
1: Marcus Jones. He has it. tackled it the 34. That's it. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero
0: doubts. Opportunity seized. As the Bearcats send a message to the college football world, did you see that?
2: Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter, at Viva La Cats Pod, and follow us on Spotify, Apple pods or wherever you listen and also make sure to check out at UC uniforms for all the up-to-date uni tracker info from Steve. Well, we really don't have a whole lot other than basketball. So it's going to be basketball and some bangles, uh, towards the end of our show, we're bringing in our friend, Josh Miller, who some of you uh, may recognize if you're longtime listeners, um, formerly with us, um, a few years ago, and he is now do, uh, running the back row Bengals show um, uh, as part of Fansighted. So we'll be excited to have him on. First and foremost, uh, we had two games this past week. SMU and Memphis um, ended up winning against SMU and lost to Memphis. We'll get into detail on those. But more specifically, we are SMU's kryptonite because they can't seem to crack the code. Um, the ponies seem to have now lost their 10th straight game to the Bearcats, dating all the way back to the AAC Tournament Championship game in 2017. So Steve, from what you saw from that game, how are you feeling about the game against SMU? We're black into our house. You get what you ask for, buddy. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Nice big
1: smack on the ass and a flight back home to Dallas. Now, um, I think the Bearcats played well enough in this game. Um, I think... Like you tweeted during the game on Thursday, Justin, like you do kind of feel for them because they were the first team out to shoot for the Bearcats after West probably got in their ass. Yeah, the Tulane game. Uh, and for us as fans, we were wondering like, oh, what's the crowd going to be like? Because it was like snowing and cold on Thursday night. Uh, game got pushed back to 930 because ESPN put on a hockey game. By the way, I'm a hockey <laughs> fan, Justin. But this is the second straight time that a UC game has been affected by a hockey game, and then yep. like earlier, like the that was the ECU game on Black Friday uh, that got pushed back uh, or pushed to a different network because of a hockey game, and now the SMU game, and then there was also the. Uh, this is a quick gripe about ESPN, but. There was also that weird South Florida game where we started at six o'clock and then got moved off the channel at about nine yep. o'clock because the yeah. USA game was starting, uh, which mm-hmm. I I wanted to watch definitely, but like, ESPN's got to figure out their scheduling. Like, you yeah. are the ones controlling how long the sport game takes. Figure that out.
2: Anyway. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> um, I was I was alright with the nine 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 thirty start. It was like I thought I was gonna be Too tired, but I watched the whole game because it was a great game for the Bearcats, uh, led by as many as twenty-five points in the second half. Um, it, I think the best part about it was uh, Mike Adams Woods going off. I, I I think Justin, I've been pretty consistent on this point that if the Bearcats just had one shooter or one consistent three-point shot. I think yep. it would really do wonders for our offense. And um, and there was a Justin Williams piece today where he showed a few clips from the SMU game where they got Micah into open, uh, open shots from the three point line, just because the defense was following Saunders and, uh, Davenport. And if yeah. you're just going to leave Micah alone to shoot and if he's knocking him down, I'm very happy with that. So I think it was a great effort to see the Bearcats come back from a really shitty performance and play that well. And you're right. We just have SMU's number, uh, Jankovic is pretty janky when it comes to yeah. playing the Bearcats. Sorry, I had to get one in there. Um, <laughs> Justin, do you think he looks more like Mr. Incredible's boss? Our old joke about him. Or uh, Dan Hort said he looked like Willem Dafoe. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, That's that, a
2: game changer. I, I think like, the Willem Dafoe yeah. one is like just... Like, it's, it's a little bit of a stretch, but I see it. And now I'm never going to be able to unsee it. And unfortunately... Um, I do not enjoy seeing him nearly as much as I do see uh, seeing William Defoe. which also, shout out to uh, – uh, can, can is it too early for a spoiler?
1: Uh, did you see they're putting out an extended cut? I think we're a month out. I think we're good.
2: Yeah, no, it's a month out. If you haven't seen No Way Home by this point, then, you know, I'm sorry. Spoiler, turn your – thing on mute for like the next 10 seconds but willem Dafoe did a great job in spider-man away home returning and reprising his role as the green goblin uh that's all i have to say but regardless tim Yankovic, um not enjoyable to see actually he is enjoyable to see because every time we see him we beat his ass um <laughs> um but no i i think from this game i really liked what i saw too um it was great to see Micah finally sort of get into a shooting rhythm. I, I think we all know that he's got it. He just hasn't been able to get it going. Um, and he's not necessarily like an inconsistent scorer either. I think that he's, um, definitely good at the rim, but his three point shot is just hit or miss. And that night it was on, um, and thankfully that led to him getting his uh, career highs, 17 points, which kind of is surprising uh, considering now that he's a junior that he's only, um, that is a career high at 17, but um, I think with more time on the floor too and, you know, the next coming year, um, we can definitely expect him to be scoring even more as he develops into this, you know, um, role, especially after uh, DeJulius leaves. But speaking of DeJulius, he also had uh, 22 points on the night, um, which he looked really good, too. Like, I mean, he's looked g- great every single game, but um, he was just eating up SMU's defense. Um, and, and I think all around, we looked great, and I don't think there's really anything about the game that I didn't like. Um, there was good ball movement, too. Uh, that was definitely one key thing that I think, like, the assists show up, seem to show up on the stats, but I think that we just have trouble, like, Moving the ball in space and creating an open shot, I think a lot of times we have to have guys like ISO ball to get, you know, their open shot, especially when you give the ball to a guy like David. Like, I mean, we'll we'll get into this with Memphis because he tore. A, <laughs> he torched them, too. Um, but I think some of those space creators like David are really good at just making their own shot. But I think as a team, we're not necessarily the best at it. And I think that's definitely something that we could work on. But uh, we seem to do well there. Um, also, one other point I'd like to make um, is that I really, like, I'm going to keep coming back to this. But I really like what we're getting out of uh, John Newman. Like, and I, yeah, I think you would I agree. agree with that. He's yeah. like so, like, he's so much more of a, like, not just a starter, but so much more of like a key player in this offense and even defense than I ever expected him to be. And like, I think that it's sort of the thing like unknowing, like you just don't know what you're going to get with transfers, but he's been a stud and he's been really reliable. Um, So I really like what I've seen from him. And then the only other um, player that I wanted to call out was that, um, was Odie because he had 10 rebounds. Um, I think that's like, he had 10 rebounds. And unfortunately, He didn't end up having or he only ended up having two points on the night. Um, But still, like he's been a good rebounding presence and he's playing his role well. Um, The only thing I think, too, like I I think we do need to work on as a team is like when it comes to rebounding, how can we like maximize efficiency with those minutes? Because a guy like Odie, if he's going to be on the court for 21 minutes, which he was in that game, he got the 10 rebounds. He played his role perfectly, but then, you know he's not dishing out assists or he's not necessarily, um, you know, scoring at all either. And I think if so, you're going to have somebody like rebounding that much, as long as you're dishing it out and you're scoring, it doesn't matter. But I think like those, you know, high rebounders too, I think he'll grow into that offensive score as well. Cause he's definitely got game. We've all seen it. Um, but I would like to see him just shoot a bit more. He only had like three shots in the night. And I think in general, he just hasn't been shooting a lot. And maybe that's just part of his role is rebounding, but Regardless, he's been playing very well, so I can't <laughs> there's nothing else I can say about that. My biggest sticking point here 86 percent from the line. Where the hell did that come from? Is that good justin <laughs> I don't know what that looks like I think that's, I think that's good considering we've had a couple games in the 20 uh, percent on the season. Um, so that is very good. Uh, I am happy with that, and I think that needs to stay consistent, but we all know that that number does not stay consistent, so we just kind of you know, live or die by the free throw line. But when you're hitting 85% on the night, it will help create some gaps in the game later on, which of course it did because the Bearcats ended up winning by 17 points. Um, Other big number to point out was that um, we were 37% from the three, which I think as a team is a good number, reliable. I think we could stick in that range. We're good Um, because I don't think the 20% from the line is really cutting it. But I think that is a good point to transition to the Memphis game, um, because that was what I think will certifiably go down. I think everybody who watched it will say that uh, will go down as one of the classics. Not only in the rivalries, but even just like a like just a an Ameri- like a conference overall like go down as one of the best games um, that we've had, like just in regular season. Because you know a lot of times during in uh, late season when you get to the ter- conference tournament. Um, and you're playing a lot of those bigger games. Sure. You have those matchups where there's uh sort of more at stake, but I think there's a lot at stake in this game too, because we all knew that this was a measuring stick game going in. Um, and when it came down to it, the Bearcats were smashing threes. Like we have never, like, I don't think like I've like that I can think of that we've ever seen before. <laughs> and it just, it felt really good because we haven't seen three point shooting. Um, our three point shooting game be that accurate in so long um it took but, so many too it was like 30 yeah 33 seems like a ton for us but if we were making them you know i'm, I'm good with shooting more yeah i mean and the, the the biggest thing for me is like threes like we can't be the team that you know lives or dies by the three um but if we're gonna live if we're not gonna die by it but we're gonna live by it then you know screw the logic just start banging the threes because <laughs> It was fun. It was fun to watch that Memphis game. Um, of course, you know, now that you guys are listening after, you know what the result was. It was an 87 to 80 loss, which really realistically would have been like 82, 83 to 80. Um, that game, like the extra, you know, five, six points at the end just came in garbage time of minutes, you know, just quick fouls. That's a one possession thing. I think, it, you know, in the last 15 seconds, 10 seconds of the game, they made those extra points at the line. So the, I don't count those. I, I mean, everybody else will and like it'll show up maybe later. But realistically, the Bearcats had this within a one possession game within the final 15 seconds, 20 seconds. Um, so to me, I think that that was um, a really good thing that we stuck in it that long, because people also forget like Memphis's record is nine and five this year, but they are much better than their record shows. Um, and even like if you just look at the talent on the table. Like they're they're a crazy good team. As much as I hate saying it, like you have to respect that they have a loaded roster at all times because it's Penny. But well, I mean, so I've I've kind of talked a lot about that. But like, what did you see from that? Other other than the one number that I wanted to throw out was the fifty three percent from the three point line because that number is crazy.
1: Yeah, man. I just I know it's my brain, and I know like because we had a better team chemistry over the these first three years that we were beating them at a pretty consistent clip it was a little bit uh it was a little bit disheartening to see us drop a game to them and I think we've lost three of our last four games to them Uh, that might need a fact check but um I I don't know it just it's just kind of sucks to lose to them because everybody get everybody else gets to make joke about like how much they suck, or you know how much yeah. they've been losing, and how Penny's being a Penny. Tulane also might have just had the best week of their lives, you know, to beat us and uh, Memphis in the same week. Because you're right, it was a great yeah. game. Two really good teams uh, battling it out. To me, Justin, it looked just like the Arkansas game. It was basically a carbon copy of that. The Bearcats made shots, stayed in it the, re- the whole way, but were out rebounded. And I, I know you said the free throws at the end. I think there was only six of them, but. Uh, if even if you take those out memphis still shot like uh eight more free throws than us if if my math is mathing, um they've made four, 16 out of 19 from the free throw line and uh i think this bearcat team once we grow up mature get some more experience we got to find a way to even that out a little bit not foul mm-hmm. as much and like get to the line more and mm-hmm. you know Right at the end of the game there, it, it seemed like our defense kind of failed us. And the, the shots that Memphis was making at the end, there was a wide open three, a bucket right at the rim where it wasn't a rebound or anything. It was just kind of, taking you know, it right to the hole and letting them score. And uh, I didn't know if any of those guys were in foul trouble or anything, but um, a doe falling, a uh, falling out too was late, uh, late, which yeah. hurt us. Um But overall, I think you can only be happy about this about like the way these guys played, like you said, shooting lights out uh i'm I'm fine with playing in more n b a arenas if we're just gonna shoot lights out all the time yeah so, uh I'm good with that the other thing i'm I'm happy with is just like how how many times we were down by six, eight uh ten in like the first and second half. But we didn't let it snowball. Like I feel like in the Xavier game, we kind of got overrun and we let that snowball, yep. and obviously that turned into a twenty point game, um, twenty point loss. But in this game, we we were able to fight back, keep it close, made made some runs in the second half, and really that second half was just a game of each media segment where uh, four minutes decided kind of the the flow of the game. Yep, and it started. really did. And uh, obviously, it's a little bit upsetting to lose, but. I want to bring up a great point that uh, our guy Justin H, uh, different Justin H, not you, <laughs> uh, Captain underscore Cincy on Twitter, uh, he, he brought up the point that it just feels good uh, to feel bad after a loss, you know, like yeah, a feeling like we could have won one because there was definitely some apathy that set in last year uh, when we were losing games yeah. left and right. And for a fan base like us. I don't want to make it seem like we're Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, a a real blue blood, blue blood or anything, but we're used to winning. We might be a little bit spoiled on the basketball end, but we're used to winning a lot of games, being very Mm -hmm. successful in the season. And last year, like the basketball program, Justin, I don't know how many games of the season you ended up watching. Probably only watched like half of the regular season games, maybe. Mm -hmm. And like, as someone who grew up with, Cat basketball being the biggest thing in my life it was just weird, and I yeah. felt nothing after losses. And maybe that's a part of mm-hmm. growing up too. Now, where you know you don't, you're not as you're still a fan, but you realize you can't live and die by every game. Yeah. And like you know, there's more important things. But I mean, I'll I'll be honest. It hurt a little bit to lose that game and to lose to me in Memphis. I don't really like Memphis that much. That's kind of my one a rational team. I wouldn't even really say they're a rival. Like I haven't been in a conference with them long enough that we, there's definitely been some shit talked on both sides, but right. I wouldn't necessarily say they're, they're probably a, behind UCF. They're probably our second biggest conference rival, but uh, that eight hour drive is a little bit long and I don't see how many Memphis fans are coming up here for games or us going right. down there, vice versa. But well, it was just, I, uh, it I, still just hurts to lose to them.
2: Yeah, no, and I agree because that's actually kind of like goes into a point that I wanted to ask you about was like where we sit right now, and kind of to what you had spoke on last year um, was that you know it, it felt like a loss was just kind of it happened, you know, it didn't feel like it was um, it really mattered as much because we knew that it just wasn't happening, you know what I mean? But this year, I think it's that narrative is changed pretty quickly um a little bit faster than we expected because we came into the season like we all had you know i think we had different expectations we're we're saying like yeah we want 20 wins and i think we could we really generally thought we could get 20 wins but looking at the whole season we're like uh you know maybe those are like loftier expectations um but now like going through the season and seeing the teams like highs and their lows But more specifically, like looking at their highs, I think you go into a game like Memphis and in that arena and you expect to win because I think where we've sat for so long, like you said, we're used to, we got really spoiled, especially in like the Gary Clark, Jacob Evans, Troy Copain, you know, Kevin Johnson, Jaron Cumberland, all those guys like that era of the past, like five, six years, you know, we're expecting a 28, 29, 30 win season. That's what we've just gotten used to. And we're used to going to then to the, you know, tournament and then blowing it. (laughs) And so I think in the in the opposite effect, you know, now we're like our expectations are lower. But I think we're we're seeing very quickly that we can get back to that ceiling. It's just how long is it going to take? And I think that's kind of, you know, where my question now for you is like do you think at this point in the season we're 16 point ga- or 16 games in, we're now one and two in conference, which sucks, but, um, I mean, do you, what, what would your, I guess, from this point on be your expectation for the end of the season? Like where would you want to see us sit? Cause right now we're seventh in the American, uh, as far as the conference stacks up, um, which, you know, Houston has a chokehold of a three Oh, um, three Oh record in conference. And Memphis is uh, three and one, and so we're currently sitting only two games behind. But you know, obviously, you don't want to start the, get these games that start getting ahead of you. So, what would your expectation be by the end of the season? Now that we've gotten this far in, we're about halfway.
1: Um, I would realistically uh, like to have a winning record in conference home games and a 500 record on the road in conference road games, and um, if if that adds up correctly with nine home games and nine road games, if we're about seven and two accounting for a loss against uh, Houston and like four and five or five, and four on the road in conference, like mm-hmm. I th- that'll, that'll add up to a. I think that'll add up to 22 wins overall um, because we were 10 and four. Yeah. So that'll add up to 22 wins overall, which I think would be great for this UC team to get to 22 because honestly justin, like it's weird to think that there are no players other than Sam martin. there's no players from this team that were coached by Mick cronin uh, the, the, there's none of nobody on the team uh is a holdover from the Cronin era anymore and it's it's definitely yeah. a inexperienced team, a team that is not very we don't have as much connection to them, I would say, as we did for like Troy Capane, Gary Clark, Jacob Evans, like those guys you were just talking about. Um, and that's just how things happen. We had a coaching turnover after another coaching turnover, uh, multiple guys in and out of the transfer portal. You know, it is what it is. But I think we just got to be not, ex- I don't think we should be expecting any sort of meaningful postseason play this year. I think if we can really make it a, a chance to be on the bubble that it will speak a lot about how this team is playing and about Wes. And I think as long as we're you know still fighting near the end of the season for a chance to be on the bubble and, you know, just it, as long as we can make an argument at the end of the season, I'm good with that. Um, now, Justin, I, I do want to bring up kind of a, a depressing uh, record uh, split. So, <laughs> Uh first 5 games of the season, we know Bearcats went 5 and 0. Uh yep. Best win of those was the Illinois which I don't think is like that great or uh, they they're not ranked anymore, I don't believe. Um but a the, that was definitely our best win of those first 5 games. But over the past 11 games, the Bearcats are 6 and 5 and I I guess if we go 500 the rest of the way with about 15 games remaining, uh, that would be about 18 and 13 uh, or 18 and 12, which I mean, it would be okay. It would be a winning season and not a losing season. And mm-hmm. I, I, there's only really, it's only, I can only take positives from this year from West just because of how much he's had to put into this team and how much of a change in the roster happened from last year don't have your best player from last year on the team anymore he got a bag to go play in louisiana <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> uh shout out tari miss you baby um a lot. i think you gotta just be happy with anything above absolute disaster for uc which is a losing season again i i yeah I think we're a big enough basketball program to say that a losing season is a disaster so uh yeah as long as it's above that and If we can get to that 20 number, that'd be great. But, Justin, I I don't want to set expectations too high because it's almost a year zero slash year one for Wes, and he's still got a lot of things to build upon. But um, the last two games, the offense has definitely come around. Scoring 80 points uh, as a UC team and 77 and 80 in consecutive games, that's awesome. I think that's what we want from a futuristic team that is going to be able to score a lot of points and play good defense. And I think that's what we want from Wes. uh, As we move into the Big 12, too, I think that's going to be part of the expectation in that league is to have a great offense and a great defense, uh, to be able to compete in night in and night out with Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, Texas Tech, all of the basketball powers in that league. So I am just – if we can get to 20, that'd be great. If not, just don't have a losing season.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think I, if I remember correctly, too, I think my initial prediction on the beginning of the year was 20, if not like 22, somewhere in between those. Um, so, I mean, I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think it really sits. as like we can't we can't expect the team to be. Um, I don't think we can expect them to be at a, a 25 like that's a that's a hell of a run like in, you're you're pretty much a world beater if you're hitting 25, especially when you're playing teams like Houston, which I mean, I don't know if the first Houston game has been completely canceled or if it, cause last I saw it was still, this is postponed. Um, I'd have to check on that again. But when you're playing Houston twice, um, in theory playing Memphis twice, um, and you're, you're playing against teams that are, you know, in this season supposed to beat you. um, I think it's really hard to like, not just accept that some of those are going to be losses. Um, You just have to kind of have that expectation that some of those are going to be losses and be able to deal with it. But I think, I think a fringe tournament bid is definitely there, but I think if we get the chance, um, then if we're not in that, we should be in the NIT, Um, which like if we play in the NIT, which nobody really wants to play in the NIT, um, but I think we should take that chance if we do, because I think it's at least a, we're a solid enough team that the teams that would be playing the NIT. I think we could actually do some damage on. Um, so if we don't end up making the tournament, which I think at 22 wins, if we manage to snag that, is going to be really tough. Um, just with the way that it seems like a lot of teams can lose this year in basketball, um, I still think that that would be a good goal to hit. Um, but regardless, you know we've got we've got a lot of games left to play. um, And I think that we've seen that we can stick with the tougher teams to play. um, But we also know, we know the ups and downs now. I think we're far enough into the season that we know what the highest of the highs are and that the lowest of the lows. um, And I think we know what problems we need to solve. But I think the key really that we've seen so far this season is, can we hit our threes and can we stay consistent on the the, um, free throw line? Because the free throw line, I think has been still for me the telltale. Uh, If you look at the game flow too against Memphis, like it's insane. Like the chart is literally, there's a bit of a gap the first half and you know, Memphis builds a lead and the second half, it is just possession after possession after possession. It's trading one for one, bucket for bucket every single time. And that's why I think that game was so much fun. But regardless, um, I think if we can hang with some of the tougher teams and if we can just make sure that we're Getting a win, no matter what it what the point total is, we're getting a win against the teams that we should beat. I think that should be the most important thing to focus on. Um but I don't want to harp on that too much longer. The only other thing I wanted to say was big ups to Jeremiah Davenport uh for making seven threes in that game, uh, going seven for ten, and I'm pretty sure he at his highest was seven for eight from three, which is just a nutty number because uh, when I did the research afterwards on a sports reference, I looked through uh, all time records and that puts him at 6th all time in UC basketball against all of our greats. Um, and I think only the people that were in front of him for most threes made in a game were like, of course, SK down Vaughn. Vaughn. Um, there was, uh, there was one or two others. I'm just slipping on at the moment. Um, but like, Guys like Jaron Cumberland, Nick Van Axel, like some of these more consistent three shooters, even Cashmere Wright, like they, they had never had more than six threes in a game. So I think that's cool to see. Like, obviously he was in a, you know, he was definitely in a heat check kind of mode. Um, but I think we've seen too that he can become a realistic three-point shooter that we can... Um, you know, we should be able to rely on it. the problem is it's just, he needs to make sure he's hitting those. Cause a lot of times, like we see the we've seen the ups and ups and downs. Cause there's, I think even in the SMU game, he, he went like one for seven from three. So there's two, <laughs> there's two sides for it, but when he's hitting it, man, like the energy changes and when the whole team. Um, so I think that a lot of the team really revolves around him, but um, still regardless, big ups to JD on that. That was awesome to see. We'd love to see more of that. Personally. How
1: about uh, Melvin Levitt holding that record? That's something that I never would have known. Like I, I I thought he was just a dunker, but like having ten threes in a game, like no matter who is it against, it's crazy.
2: He has the record for 10?
1: Yeah. Uh that was there was the uh Go Bearcats tweeted out the video today and uh Kenny Martin uh was just losing his mind on the bench watching it. So uh, go find that uh on at Go Bearcats today um or two from Tuesday as you're listening to this.
2: Sports Reference, you need to do your due diligence because that's not listed on there. Maybe it might only go back to a certain date that they keep track of that too. I don't know. Yeah, Um, uh, I I think think.
1: Sports Reference is only like has only like from like the two thousands. Let me pull up the tweet just to make sure. Um, But but yeah, like that was that was awesome. And like, didn't he start off like six for six from three? That was pretty.
2: Yeah, he was hundred percent six for six. That was. That was pretty nuts, because <laughs> um, we don't we we're not used to seeing lights out shooting as Bearcats. We're sh- used to rock fights, so, so seeing that pretty awesome.
1: Uh, went ten for fourteen from three point land against EKU in nineteen ninety seven. So uh, ten
2: for fourteen. Yeah. Uh, that's Holy the, moly!
1: Well, and this is like the the high school line when it was like nineteen feet nine inches. You know, like really short.
2: Yeah, (laughs) so well, that could be that could be it, too. Maybe it's after the three point line was moved that they changed that because the earliest one that I saw on there, I think, was like Darnell Burton in 1995. I think that's as far back as it because once that three point line moves, I think technically the record changes, too. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, Regardless. The Bearcats played really well against Memphis. The Bearcats played phenomenally. Um, over the course of those two games. Of course, we didn't come out with a win against Memphis, but I think if we figure out those uh, couple things that we need to change um, and keep working on those and make progress, I think this team is set in a really good position to close out the rest of the season. Um, And who knows? I mean, we could get to the end of the season maybe we just make a run in the conference tournament again. That would be really cool, too, if we could do that and, you know, maybe we get a bid that way. I I think that's, to me, I think that's the So much cooler than when you go in and like you've already got the record, you know you're in the tournament and you're just playing to play versus like when you gotta play to get in. I think that's a that's a cool position to be in too, especially if you do it. Um but regardless, um I have there's two topics here, but there's I'm gonna save one. And I'm gonna save that for next week. Um and I'm gonna keep the other one because the other one we talked about this past week and we'll keep it relevant was the Nippert expansion. Um the, the idea of it, or the, the conversation that came up, I'm trying to remember exactly who put out the article. Maybe it was like WLWT, some local news station uh, put out an article about um, UC buying for um, possibly new expansion into uh, Nippert for the Big 12. Um, and it started this whole Twitter wide conversation of how big would it have to be? What would you need? And what would it look like? And so, I guess I'll just ask you, Steve, if you were Cunningham and you're throwing your dollars out there to do an expansion Nippert, would you, A, and B, what would you do? Um, I don't know. Uh,
1: I, th- I think as uh, TV gets better and better, uh, it's really going to have to be a good seat for someone to go out of their way and buy it um, and not like the cheap seat for the like the back row against an FCS opponent, that's just going to be a tough ask of someone to say, hey, uh, would you like to spend $35 on this seat? And um, I would definitely look into expansion, but poss- possibly more like luxury boxes. Like, for example, using the cutouts where our guy DJ E-Train currently has a spot, uh, using those as like little cabanas or uh, some sort of on-field box. Uh, UCF does that currently in their end zones and not to steal an idea from them, but I think that would be an interesting way to use those. Um, and maybe something under the little overhang of the Bearcat layer that currently exists right now. Um, because all that's there right now is just like TV cameras, medical areas and stuff like that. But, um, if, if you were like to put some luxury seating in and like field boxes in, those would be the places I would go um we're gonna have uh our, our guy justin i know so many justins justin it is crazy <laughs> there must have been a run on uh baby names uh for justin in the late 90s but had to be um, justin so, timberlake
2: yeah yeah, it's too, too popular,
1: popular. <laughs> uh, so he's an engineer graduated from uc and we were going back and forth uh, with some ideas on what what the structure might look like. And he was talking about how we would probably have to like rip out a bunch of the rec center, uh, which is only about 15 years old uh, to really bring your right. idea to life. I want to save that full conversation for when we have him on, because I want him to, because he's a huge Bearcat fan. He would love to join. So uh, maybe we save that uh, the whole conversation for like the off season or something. But um, right, like I mentioned in the replies to your tweet, Justin, I would love some sort of massive structure that uh is that technically the north end zone
2: um yeah i think i know. got my uh compass backwards but that's right. that's I, have, I have no idea what my cardinal directions are
1: i have i have no idea honestly i, I just know the sun rises in the east and sets in the west that's it yep. <laughs> um but yeah never I, eat soggy waffles yeah yeah uh <laughs> it's funny um i guess it would also you could also just try and like add a third deck but it, then again that's like adding cheap seats in an age where less and less people are going to games and right. are trying to put more luxury boxes in. So, uh, I'm interested to see what comes and I don't really think you can add anything else to the, the new press box. So I don't know what to think.
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's a definitely an interesting conversation because I think the demand is there in the higher selling games. Um, because I think a I think probably a bigger conversation, which I obviously don't want to like get into too much detail on because it's just we're not we're not the planners on this kind of project we're just simply talking about it as fans, but a lot of people mention like ingress and egress and going through and around the stadium and concessions and lines and how they clog everything um I think that is a big bottleneck too in the current stadium is like how do you get to other places because when you're trying to walk around the stadium like on the deck at the top of the bowl from one end to the other wherever you're going it's hell on those bigger games like and of course like you know there's always going to be traffic in bigger games but there's just not enough room um and i think like that's where a lot of people find difficulty now is because generally you only have there really is only like Twenty to thirty feet of space, but when you've got like so many people moving through, especially beginning of the game at half timeouts and at the end of the game, but especially at the beginning of the game, you can't get anywhere. I just know that from personal experience as being a photographer and trying to run around, you know usually I would always use to or like use the field to go back and forth, and I mainly stayed there, but anytime I wanted to go up into the crowd to get a shot or whatever it might be it was hell on earth to try to move through people. And it's just constant throughout the whole game. Like, and it just doesn't stop. And the concession lines are so long. The bathroom lines are so long. Um, And I think that's one thing that they've yet to really solve. Um, But again, like, I don't know how I would solve that. um, Because that you're talking major infrastructure change. um, in pushing a lot of things back and again, cutting into buildings and moving stuff around. Um, but I think one thing that we can all agree on is that um, the vocal art center needs to stay and we shouldn't be blocking the view um, because I think that's a huge key part of our stadium. Um, and I kind of want to go back um, uh, for those of you who are like longtime Bearcat fans or longtime, long time, not even necessarily long time listeners who have been on Twitter for a while as a Bearcat fan. Um, if you know Spencer Tuckerman, if you go back to a lot of his old stuff with O Varsity, he had a lot of cool um, just look backs on like historical photos of Nippert and how it's changed over time um, that he pulled from archives. And it's pretty insane too to see where it came from, because the first picture that I could find of Nippert actually had the field going. Um, if we have our cardinal directions correct, going east to west. And it was just like a hill down into the middle of it and of course that's before any seats were really put in um, and then they changed the orientation to what it currently sits at um, put some seats on the top or on the sides and then of course eventually added until it became a full bowl then added the um, north end of the stadium um, to a degree with some bleachers and that was still while there's that before the rec center. Rec Center comes in you add all these things and now everything is getting built around it and suddenly Nippert is very much in a chokehold for expansion um because it's really hard to push out without knocking down um I think like in one of the like little photoshop renders that I did um of just what things might look like I think even if you put a triple deck in you're really like pushing up against um Lindner and I think that might be that could be problematic Um, but at the same time, I don't really necessarily think it is. I think the only thing that you really lose is the view for anybody who works in, um, the Liner center to see into the stadium, which half of them don't have a view anyways, because they have to look at the bottom of the second deck. So like, I don't think thing, or I think that those things matter, but, um, I would really be interested to see them expand like out on the east side of the stadium. Um, and then like you said, too, I think the box seats, Um, on the west are just those aren't moving anywhere and personally like correct me if i'm wrong or like if my opinion's just incorrect but i feel like i never see those like box seats out sell in those big games maybe i'm wrong but like i feel like the the seats that they added outside um in those box seats on the press box i feel like i never see people in them
1: that's because they can uh, sit inside when it's cold well
2: yeah i mean and i get that for when it's cold but like even during the nice like the games where it's like nice out like i mean personally as a fan if it's cold or if it's warm whatever i don't care like i mean i guess you know maybe if i had a bunch more money and i was you know a bit more ritzy and was more sensitive to temperature i don't know this is no shot at anybody (laughs) who's got a box seat i it sounds kind of like a shot at you but it's not like it but if I'm one of those people and I have those seats, I am going to be sitting out so I can see over everything and I can like, I mean, you can still see everything clearly, but I feel like it'd just be more enjoyable or like more of an enjoy joyous. It would be easier to enjoy the game if I was sitting out and like experiencing it in the atmosphere with everybody else versus being in the box. Um, But I don't know. I think I, you know, kind of, I agree with your point too. I think if they are going to add any seating, it's definitely going to be that luxury seating just because it gets that ROI um and the people you know the school can get that money back um but the thing that i'm really interested in is how our attendance is going to change when we get to the big 12 and i guess that's my question for you here too is like do you think that it will change much because i can imagine i from what i can tell the big 12 travels fairly decently um but what we're used to like we know for the most part that we can handle pretty much every Cincinnati fan that comes in because the away crowd is generally so poor. But if we start bringing in, say there's like 4,000, you know, anywhere between one to seven or 8,000 fans that might travel for a game for the big 12. Do you think that like we'd be, I don't think we'd be able to handle that. And I think that's where a lot of that conversation comes in with expansion.
1: I agree. And uh, I, I, I don't know. It just seems like adding seats to add seats just to meet an arbitrary number is like asking for those seats to be empty at a future point. And uh, I think if you really needed to add seats, you could try and finish out the second bowl. Obviously that takes out Dieterly, which I know people won't, uh, won't like Uh but yeah. it's kind of just a space there, you know, it, And like you can still see the building behind a possible seats and i don't know um, i don't really think the uh, Dieterly uses like those windows back there to look at the football stadium that often so i don't know Uh, but i think just adding seats to add seats is just like i we could definitely fill it up for sure like especially if we have a great year like this you definitely fill it up but i just think it's only going to be like the luxury seating or they're going to something stupid with the rec center and like make a whole big thing over there. So, but then yeah. you've got like all this other logistical problems. So I want to save that whole conversation for when we talk to Justin, uh, but my, my
2: engineer friend, Justin,
1: not you, Justin.
2: Yes. <laughs> talk to you every week. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I agree too. I think that that like, that would be a topic. Like if we could get really nerdy on, I think that'd be really fun, especially for off season because you know, once summer comes, we're not really going to have a whole lot to talk to you guys about, except for our wild hypothetical ideas, which we have plenty of in stock. You guys should see the list. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think I think expanding seats is definitely an interesting conversation. But I don't necessarily think that it's absolutely necessary. Um, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be had within the athletic department. And I think it's something that needs to be approached seriously too. Um, but more than anything, um, like I had said before. I think ingress and egress in that stadium needs to be solved. And as I the biggest my last point on this before we end that topic um and switch over here to our interview with Josh would be that I don't want to see the stadium um I don't want to see the stadium blocked off because right now like as it stands like when we get to the Big 12 I have a feeling that they might change that but um I remember reading an article months ago um, from this guy talking about uh, how he grew up in Columbus, ended up going to Cincinnati for school, um, and then ended up going back to OSU or something like that. And he was there in the late 90s when there was like still nobody in the stadium or like even 80s. Um, and like people were like on the field all the time and like just going out there with a baseball and a bat, bat like just hitting dingers in Nippert, like that kind of stuff is so cool and i think it's something that makes us so different as like just a just as the way the field works and how it interacts with the rest of the university that you don't get anywhere else um and i really would not i i would hope that they just keep the stadium open at all times um because i remember like even people would say like well screw it i'm gonna run on the field anyways when fc cincinnati was there But when it was closed down, like it was kind of like campus shaking. People were like, well, what the hell? Why are all these signs down here? Like we're allowed to go down here. We have always been allowed to go down here. Um, And I think that's just like a cool part of the stadium. And people walk through there, run through there, um, work out in the stadium. um, And I just don't want to see that change.
1: I agree. I, I don't think it will change. It's just too central to campus. And I literally, I think we need the space for people to walk through class.
2: I mean it's that's the thing, is when your football stadium is dead center in the middle of your campus, you don't really have a choice. Um, and they would severely screw over some like pretty much every student on campus if they did that. Because I remember for all my classes, I had to at least pass through um there when I lived on campus, and especially for the people that live in the back corner um by like Daniels, um and like uh Schneider and those kind of the dorms back there like for a lot of them crossing a class like you have to go through there and you can't make it to classes unless you do (laughs) or at least make it there on time Um, because we all know there's some very untimely uh, crossings for class for students in the middle of the day that you have to literally sprint across campus (laughs) which is a workout in itself um, that I don't miss that's one thing I don't miss about campus is trying to cross campus for classes like that but sometimes I do Anyways, um, that's enough on that topic. We've covered pretty much everything. So all that we've got left here is our interview with our good boy, Joshua. We're going to clip that in here in a little bit because we're recording them uh, separately. But uh, definitely enjoy that.
1: Please do, listeners. Hooday. Your boy will be at the game on Saturday. So uh, Viva the Cats will be represented in the crowd.
2: And um, hopefully this is the end of the curse. Because if we win this game, that the curse is officially broken. I've said it here, and I'll say it now. There is no more curse if we do it.
1: Listen, I, thought you I, don't said, I thought you said after we beat Nashville that there wasn't a curse anymore in, uh, for FCC.
2: You know, I, I, I did say that, <laughs> but look at FC Cincinnati now. Come yeah, on, man. that's true. It was a fluke. RIP. It Jeff was a Birding. fluke. Didn't serve <laughs> us well. No. All right, well, we're going to jump onto that. So, uh, Thank you guys for listening to the uh, Bearcats section of the pod. Enjoy the bangles. Okay, and we're back. So now that you guys have gone through uh, most of the rest of the pod, you've got all your Bearcats, everything that you could possibly want and need. We have everything you could possibly want and need when it comes to the bangles with our boy, Josh Miller. I would introduce you, but I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So you can hit everything, say whatever you want, and when you're done, give us your favorite Bearcats moment of the season.
0: Fellas, how's it going? Oh, my God. It's it's so good to be back on, uh, you know, where I got all my podcast start right here on Viva <laughs> La Cat. I, I just think it back of the good times that we had. So excited to be back. So, hi, everybody. My name is Josh Miller. I am the host of the Back Row Bengals show. You can find me on Twitter at Back Row Bengals. You can also find my blogs on Instagram. Fansided.com. Head over to fansided.com. Read some about the Bengals. Read uh, a lot about, um, you know, any team that you'd like. And then uh, if you uh, read my current blog now, it talks about how the Bengals are po- quite possibly the best team in the AFC, which I believe. Uh, you want to give me my favorite Bearcat moment of the season? I would got to say going to Notre Dame and running them out of their own stadium was pretty, pretty awesome. <laughs> really cool. I mean, just it was so loud. it really was like, it was noticeable. You could hear the let's go Bearcats constantly. Um, but I guess it going down to Dallas was a close is a close second. That that was a lot of fun. And, you know, that crowd, the crowd down in Dallas was awesome. It just we just wanted to explode about something like we were just yeah. ready to just lose our minds because the crowd was amazing. And, you know, goosebumps uh, watching them run out of the tunnel. Yeah, but great to be back. And we got a, we got another playoff team to talk about, don't we? That
2: we do. Yes, Mm -hmm. so baby, we've got a twofer in Cincinnati this year. Um, Maybe we can rebrand our city as the football Mecca. Maybe that's a a stretch, but I think it's I think it's possible. We got two playoff teams, which is a first time ever, ever for Cincinnati. So that is a huge step forward in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more importantly, especially what we've got you on here for is to tell us about the Bengals because they're kicking some ass this year. Joker. And I think that it's about time that uh, we give some proper recognition to the Bengals. So, Josh, oh, of course. I'm going to oh. lead you off with one question here just to Please. start. Please. What's different about this team this year?
0: What's different about this team this year is, is basically that ego, that that, that little glass ceiling that we've always thought that this Bengals organization team franchise has always had there is no glass ceiling really the, the sky is the limit for this team when you go look go back and you look at like the 2015 years on down you see you know there was a lot of you know there was a lot there was a glass ceiling there was you know limitations on the team you know Andy Dalton was a great quarterback but I mean he he had limitations a lot of these a lot of these teams that were to the playoffs for us, were injury ridden. I mean, what, what, when we went to go play the Colts, like the, the early, our best receiver out there was Mohammed Sanu and, you know, Marvin Jones was out. AJ Green was out. Uh, and, and then even then in 2015, even though that team was probably one of the best uh, the Bengals have had in these past two decades. I mean, you're, you're playing with a backup quarterback. It just, that's that just is what it is. Andy yeah. Dalton's not out there. I mean, when he, in that year, he was having a career season Th- this, this year, it feels very, a lot different. It feels like that this is a team that can win in primetime. It feels like that this is a team that doesn't crumble when the lights are the brightest. I mean, you just you go back and you look at uh, the Thursday night game against the Jacksville Jaguars at home, uh, have to come from behind to mm-hmm. win that game. You go and get a gutsy win in Denver where you needed it the most. You beat KC to win the AFC North. You beat Pittsburgh twice. You beat Baltimore twice. This is just a team that takes care of business, and they win where they are supposed to win. And then also on top of that, man, they're just they're just so much fun. They're so energetic, so much fun to watch. And uh, one more thing, it's just not one side of the ball either. It both 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 sides, both the offense and the defense are playing very very well so i would say that's that's the biggest difference i see out of this team well, even in
1: their losses too like uh, i was at the packers game earlier this year yes. they went down they went back and tied it should have won that game honestly like mm-hmm. they had a chance to but then the gust of the ohio uh affected both kickers uh, uh so uh, <laughs> unfortunate same. on that one you know and then uh like Josh, what were their other other like close losses? Like the Bang, the Browns, two yeah. Browns games, like well, the one didn't matter and the other one right. was kind of a toss up. Like yeah, the uh the Niners game went to overtime as Niners, well. Niners,
0: Chargers. Um, I mean, you go down the list with their with their losses this year. Steve, you pretty much nailed it right on the head. Uh yeah, Chargers, Niners, they're in these games the Packers, uh, Bears, they're in these games all the way to the end. Just the ball doesn't bounce away. Hell, I mean, you want to talk about a, a game that should have bounced our way and didn't. You want to talk to the freaking Jets and Mike. F. I was White. just
2: about to point that one out. Mike yeah. F
0: and, Can I curse on here?
2: Yeah, go right Mike, ahead.
0: Mike fucking White. Mike fucking White <laughs> somehow comes out of nowhere and throws for 300. So, but but they're in these games. They're, not, they're never out of these games. And I got to tell you, when you have number nine as your quarterback, you give them a chance in every single game. There's not Absolutely. a single game on the schedule that I don't think they can't win.
2: Yeah. Well, and I think the biggest thing that, too, like I've noticed with the Bengals this year is just kind of to what you said already is that they take care of business. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of teams like in previous years, we've looked at some of these games, like look down the schedule, and like the Bengals just get beat when they get yeah. beat. And right. there's no games this year where I've seen where like we've just got our ass handed to us. Like yeah. we have not gotten blasts out of games. We've been able to compete, we've been able to stay with everybody. Um, and I think that's, you know, really interesting because you look at the schedule too, like we're 10 and seven on the year. Mm -hmm. I think we very easily could be like, uh, I don't know, a 12 win team or a Uh, 13 or win team.
0: uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much, I mean, Steve, uh, we kind of pretty much nailed it on the head. You bring that up. Yeah. We, this team should be around 12 to 13 wins, uh, up. I mean, the Chargers game, they were a better team. They just they they killed themselves in the first quarter and the game was over from then. They tried to battle back, but they just couldn't finally seal the deal. Uh Packers game, man, that was just weird on the kickers. Just just miss, yeah. miss, miss. The the Jets game. I mean, there's there's thousands there's thousands of things that happened that should have bounced our way but didn't the,
1: the browns um, game was the only game where they really got man right but yeah, i think that was true. a right. game where like obj just got kicked off the t- or like, let release from the team and mm. like i think they all needed to get like their emotions out and that was just the perfect week where baker did not look like uh a left arm uh, was fa- his arm was just <laughs> falling off of his shoulder so <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> but, you know, like other than that, like they've been competitive in every game. Yeah. You're right. And uh, Josh, we sparred a couple times in the group chat this year mm-hmm. about like Zach Taylor. But can you tell me about like what he's changed this year?
0: I mean, you just want to look at you. And, and yes, me and Steve have have gone back and forth plenty of <laughs> times in our group chat. Um, but but one thing that he's changed is, is the culture of the team. I mean, the locker room is just incredible. These guys these guys are so easy to root for. You can tell that they're bought in. You can tell that they that these players are here for the right reason. They're here to win. Uh, they, they understand that this is their job. They don't let ego get in the way. They play together. They play as a team. I mean, when you go back and you look at highlights, or if you watch the All-22 film – Watch the sidelines when the Bengals score a touchdown. The entire defense runs down to where the offense is and just goes ballistic. I love watching. My favorite one's got to be the Mike Hilton uh, pick for pick six against Pittsburgh. The entire sideline just, like, runs down and tackles them against the wall. It's incredible. So, I got to say that Zach Taylor's done a lot with that and changed the culture and the locker room and what it means to play on this team. I mean, a lot of that has to do with Joe Burrow, too. But a huge amount of credit has to go to Zach Taylor and putting guys in the right position as well.
1: Definitely. And I think, like, it's just – I think he got a little bit of criticism for the first two years where he didn't really have much to work with. And, like, I still think the other teams in the division had their best years last year. And all Mm. the other three teams were down this year. And that helped the Bengals. They obviously beat two of the three teams in the division and didn't have to beat the Browns. They were already – like, they had already won the North. and Right. Just those games against, like like I said, Packers with a really good quarterback. Mahomes, really good quarterback with the Chiefs. Herbert, really good quarterback. Like you said, Josh, the defense has been playing a lot better this year than yep. expected, and I think it can only be a positive for Saturday mm-hmm. um, when Derek Carr, who I don't think is very good. I'm, I'm not the biggest NFL guy right. for our listeners and yep. for you, Josh. I'm not the biggest NFL guy, but yep. just from what I hear and what I see, I don't really think he's the greatest ever. Like, and we already beat that? him. Right. That's, that's true. But oh, yeah. I, the 2013 year where I went <laughs> to the playoff game after we oh, were going to play God. the Chargers and Phillip Rivers, oh. after we had beat them five weeks before. I'm sorry. I oh. yeah. had to oh, bring it up.
0: Bad memories, man. Um, yeah, so to talk about the Raiders. I, I mean, they, they're... I, I'll be honest. I love the Raiders' story of what they had to go through this entire year, and they still find a way to make the playoffs. Like that that is is kind of cool to see. But that being said, I, I mean Derek Carr is not better than Joe Burrow. That that's plain and simple. He's not a better quarterback. The Raiders are not a better team than the Bengals are. Um, they just, I mean, you look at it. I mean, Sunday night they went through an absolute war to to just make the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Gas. They're coming all the way across the country. Uh, Derek Carr is zero and five in games. I believe under forty degrees. Uh, it's <laughs> it's going to be freezing cold. It's going to be raining out there. The Bengals have pretty much rested everybody on their team last weekend. Yeah, you already see. You've already seen this team. You beat them handily at. Uh, Las Vegas and the Bengals, if you remember that game, did not play well. They did not play well in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, Joe Mixon really kind of had to take the game over at the end for us to uh, walk out of there with a W. So you take look for this team just starting to pick up, go off, and uh, they're, they're going to be passing a lot, I would say. Um, Derek Carr, he, he's good, not great. He's an average quarterback. He is what he is. I mean, th- and I'll tell you this the Raiders are lucky to even be in the playoffs. It's, it's that, that's yeah. I see that. That's how big of the gap I see between the Bengals and the Raiders.
2: Well, and that's actually one thing I kind of want to jump back a little bit here because it'll yeah. tie into this question too. Sure. Is, I mean, d- do we give? This is just asking honestly. And of course we're all biased towards the Bengals. but right. do we give a lot more credit to the Bengals for beating the teams that they did in the AFC North? Or do we have to share a bit of the credit because it was very noticeable that the other three teams in the AFC North were down granted. We beat yeah. them. And, and yeah. I mean, we swept the uh, swept the Steelers swept the Ravens. Like yep. we did what we were supposed to, but do we give more credit to the Bengals, or do we just kind of go with
0: it? That's a good point. Justin, uh, I mean, obviously the Ravens were just absolutely they they were they were done from the start of the season. They they were absolutely injury killed, and then once Lamar started to get injured, uh, I mean that was that that was it for them. It's lights out, and then and then the Steelers. Here's the thing about the, uh, about what you kind of said and, and how the other teams are kind of down this year. The Steelers are going to be like this for a while, this yeah. is kind of how I'm watching it. I mean, they're, they're not going to be in a great draft position. Right, fingers crossed. <laughs> they're not going to be in a great draft position. They, they don't know who their quarterback is going to be next year. Uh, their defense is, is you know, with minus TJ Watt is, is not that great. Um, but I don't know where the Steelers start in terms of how they're going to rebuild. Uh, the, the Ravens will be back. That being said, I do think that this Bengals team is set up for more success in the AFC North than any of the other teams. I mean, yeah. Baltimore Baltimore can be good, but every single year, Lamar gets hurt at the end of the year or yeah. they stop stop play, stops playing well. Uh, it, Joe Burrow at the end of the year picked up. And, you know, mm-hmm. obviously what happens, we beat the Kansas City Chiefs at home to clinch the AFC North. So I think there's a lot of give and take to that. We do have to understand that the Ravens are completely injured and, you know, it's going to be a lot harder to sweep them next year than it was this year. Uh, But I I think the most of the credit to a long answer to your question, most of the credit should go to the Bengals and what they've done and how they've used their locker room and how good they've been this year.
2: Oh. <laughs> Sorry. We got stuck on the mute. Um
1: well, then <laughs> No, you're good. She was just barking. So oh. I just didn't uh. Wanna, uh uh you can hear her right now. She um, bad. So Justin, do you have something else? You can cut cut this part out. No, no,
2: no. No, you can go ahead if you got one.
1: Okay, uh just real quick uh, you know, Josh, like you said, Joe Mixon kind of took over that game. It was Evan McPherson and Joe Mixon who really yeah. won that v- game in Vegas against the Raiders. So mm-hmm. um, even though it's going to be a cold day, I don't think the Raiders really have the DBs to match up with us. No. Do you think the same game plan can work against the Raiders? Because that game was pretty close until the Raiders went for it on like fourth down mm-hmm. in the third quarter. Yep. And then they, they didn't get it. Bengals went, went down and made a drive and scored yep. a touchdown, I think. And that was kind of it, right?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, and I don't believe that it's going to be the same game plan. I think what they're going to try to do, they are going to try to use uh, the passing game a lot more than they did in Vegas. And in Vegas, like you said, like Joe Mixon kind of took over the game. Evan McPherson had hit three 50 plus yarders that led to us winning the game. I believe the passing attack is going to be a lot more. I mean, you're kind of seeing they're just kind of letting Joe Burrow cook. They're, they're letting him throw, you know, throw his arm off and, and you, they're, they're doing a great job of it. So I mean, what's working against, you know, the greatest, the better defenses of the league, you might as well keep going. So I think they'll, I think, I think they're going to change it up. They're going to pass a lot more this Sunday than they did against the Raiders before. But now, then that being said, they start shutting it down, give it off to Joe Mix and let him take over. Yeah.
2: Well, and there's no bad option. Kind of to your point too, that you were talking about Burrow and like just really letting him throw. Mm. I think one thing that i found interesting and kind of, devolves into the Zach Taylor conversation throughout the whole season is, you know, kind of to the idea of play calling and, you know, has have things been right and have things been wrong. But one thing that can't be argued is that what Joe Burrow came off of from last year to now, I feel like it's unheard of. It's for incredible. somebody like, I mean, I forget who, i try to remember who said it. Maybe it was uh, like the Chiefs OC or some coordinator for the yeah. Chiefs said like, it's like, he's like a young Tom Brady. It's Statuella, like, and it's, yeah. it's lofty. It's, it's kind of a lofty thing to set against. But at the same time, like you have to really look at this guy and realize we've got something that really has not been seen before yeah, because right. somebody's so granted he's young. He It's not like this is a, you know, 10 year vet coming off of a knee injury the way he did. Like he's young. He'll be able to heal faster, but right. he's performing at a level that surpasses so many other players in Cincinnati history. So I'm I'm curious what you see Joe Burrow as and where you think, um, not necessarily his ceiling, but where you think he can go
0: from here. Well, let's think about this. I mean, he's had a total of zero off seasons. He he didn't have one during the COVID year, and then he tore his ACL. We didn't even know if he was going to be ready week one. And just like that, he's got the highest QB. He's got the highest BFF grade in the entire NFL uh, at quarterback. He's just been, he's been playing lights out. It really is something truly special that we have to understand that, that this is what we have. I mean, this is probably, I mean, I, I would really, I would take Joe Burrow over any other quarterback in the NFL, and that's no an exaggeration. That's not being, me being a Bengals bias. I mean, for him to come off of that knee injury, to have no offseason, to slide right into the role of savior of the franchise and handle it as well as he has, it, I mean, he can go. he can go so far. He will bring Super Bowls to Cincinnati. I, I can tell you that in my lifetime, there will be Super Bowls in Cincinnati because of Joe. Um, so it's a matter of, of when it's going to happen, and you know, obviously, what kind of team. I do think that this team does have a legitimate shot to go far in the AFC uh, in, in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, it's a pipe dream going to Tennessee is going to be hard, but your first game, if you had to look at any of the any team from the playoff picture. Maybe minus the Steelers, who would you pick out of it? You would probably pick the Raiders to play in the first round. So, but I, I, that's this team, not just Joe. Joe Burrow will be the—I mean, he is going to be an MVP. He's going to have multiple MVP seasons. He's going—he's going to be a Pro Bowler. He's going to have—I mean, he's going to probably have multiple Super Bowls here at Cincinnati. So, I mean, it, it really is truly incredible. Imagine him getting an offensive line and then having an offseason. A lot of that credit <laughs> does go to Zach Taylor, I will say. For him to be as ready as he is with no offseason, that is a lot that has to do with Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan and the quarterbacks coach. Just it's, they've done an impeccable job with him.
1: So, um, Josh, I'm not. I would. I wouldn't say that I was on either side of the Sewell Chase debate. I was sure. maybe leaning a little bit more towards Sewell just because of the fact that he got hurt last year sure. and the offensive line was not really anything to like be. incredibly excited about and I would have liked to see a generational talent like Sewell but just the generational talent that we have now in Jamar Chase is just something that's unbelievable and the fact that he might be the if not the offensive rookie of the year is just crazy to think about just like what does it mean right now for us to to have probably like the best combination of young talent in the league because Joe's younger than 26 correct
0: yeah 25 yeah, Joe Bur- Burrow's 25, Jamar Chase 21, uh T Higgins is 22, 23 somewhere around there. I know it's Mix, Mixon is 25. A <laughs> it stupid. It's stupid. Boyd is th- like
1: 24, right?
0: Yeah, right. And think about this. We have our entire offense. Our our enti- all all of our um uh uh skill groups, all of our skill groups. we're held we have them till 2023. We have Joe Burrow till 2023. Joe Mixon Tyler Boyd, T Higgins, uh, Jamar chase all have them through 2023. So this offense is really going to grow. Uh, -hmm. I I do want to just mention one thing about the chase Sewell debate. One of the things that I I feel like was a argument that I had a lot that I didn't really see mentioned, uh, was that one of the reasons why Joe Burrow got sacked so much is because the receivers weren't creating any separation. So getting a receiver like Jamar chase, a generational talent, like you said, is going to create more opportunities and more downfield shots. And, Quicker time to get the ball out. So that being said, I I mean, he's done exactly that. This offense is clicking. This is exactly what this offense needed was a guy like Jamar chase. And uh, he, he, if he doesn't get offensive rookie of the year, it's a robbery. He, he a hundred percent deserves it. I believe he locked it up when he, uh, with his game against the chiefs, he goes out and he just handles his business and, you know, plays like he has been the past couple of weeks. Uh, He'll, he'll have this thing locked up. It's a it's incredible. And this offense is going to go along a long way.
2: Well, I have that. I have a question that tails into that perfectly. Yeah. So you've mentioned so many names and it's crazy too. When you look at like, I mean, across the board, like defense, obviously I, I I just don't know as many guys on defense and like the standouts per se, but when you look offensively, who's got to be your MVP on the year for the Bengals. If you had to pick one, like it's, it's so hard because there's so many options, but like, Everybody's contributing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who would it be?
0: Who would it be? Uh, man, I, I, I got to go with the franchise. I got to go with Joe, Joey B. I mean, he's just played so incredible. And just his his way of running the offense is is something that like 10 year vets don't have. He's mm-hmm. so smart in between the ears. His communication is impeccable. He's able to run the offense. And one of the things that has killed us through the Marvin Lewis era, and it's a credit to both Burrow and Zach, but a lot has to do with Burrow, is how good we have been the past year at the end of the half and the end of the game. Both of those have been absolutely incredible. They've won us games just that. I go back and I look at Denver. I mean, Denver, you got nine seconds left. They get a quick 30-yard pass. Evan McPherson drills the the field goal. That was because they were able to know, okay, ball's got to be out now. Tyler Boyd's got to catch it, get down, timeout. And because that's how smart they've been, and that's because Joe Burrow knows what he has to do. His situational awareness is incredible, being able to read defenses. Uh, I mean, you—I mean, you can't zero him. He's even said it. you can't yeah. fucking zero him. I mean, I, I don't know what defenses are going to do against him because he will just pick them apart. Can't run zone? He'll pick you apart. And then if you run man to man, good luck, man to man on Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Someone's yeah. going to be someone's going to be open. Someone. And then if if that if you somehow shut that down. He'll just turn a turn the ball and hand it off to Joe Mixon. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know how you how you stop the offense. I really don't.
1: Yeah, I think it's just basically getting home to the to Burrow. But if he's yep. getting the ball out in under two seconds, yeah, you're you're kind of screwed. You just kind of kind of yeah. hope that maybe Jamar drops one or maybe there's mm-hmm. tips and stuff. You know, um, I, I have to say though, Josh, like, uh, well, my pick for defensive MVP would probably be Trey Hendrickson just because oh, he's yeah. been a, had a monster year. But my
0: goodness, yeah.
1: Man, Josh, uh, I'll be honest. I've been a jilted Bengals fan over this past five year stretch. And, like, uh, understandably so. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's just like you hear all these jokes from outside, and you're like, maybe they're right. You know, maybe we don't right. spend money. Maybe we're just not really focused on winning. But you know what? Like, this year has definitely brought me back in. And I, you can call me a bandwagon all you want. I'm definitely <laughs> probably a bandwagon. Like, I'll be honest. I, I listened to all the media whenever the Bengals won a game, but when we lost the game on Sundays, I was like, I'm not listening to part (laughs) of my take today. I'm (laughs) just going to pass on
0: that. I feel that.
1: uh, So for like, I mean, obviously Josh, I've been watching the Bengals. Like we've all been watching the Bengals as long as we've been alive, but like Justin and I have had the conversation before and you've been on the other side and I applaud you for staying consistent that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been, sometimes it's been hard to be a fan of this team, you know, and like, so just from your perspective, as a longtime fan who's like stuck with them, like, have you would you say you've probably watched like most of their games since you uh, probably like,
0: probably since I was 10 or 11? I I'd never miss a Sunday. I, so I've, I've watched them for a long time.
1: So, like, what does this mean to you? Like, you know, this franchise generational quarterback paired up with some really great talents on the uh, on the mm. offense, a defense that is been well worth its money and came up big in big situation like what does this resurgence of this team mean to you as like, it's a
0: it's it's everything lifelong fan yeah that, right yeah right it, it, it's it's every it's everything to a Bengals fan to a to a lifelong fan I mean to have to not have to be asking the question who's going to be my quarterback next year who's going to be at head coach who's going to be running my defense next year Who's, you know, who's going to be doing this? Who's going to be doing that? To have that is just absolutely incredible. It, it makes me feel great. Then on top of that, I, I have a genuine belief about this. This is the best Bengals team we've had in the past two decades, including the yep. playoff teams, including the 2005, including For 2009. Sure. This is the best team. I, I genuinely believe that. There's arguments all over the place that you can make. But to have a team like this, and how together they are, and how likable they are too. This is a very likable team. The guys are fun. Yeah. It looks like they're having fun out there. It looks like they want to be here. They love the city of Cincinnati, even though Joe Burrow says there's nothing to do here, but there's plenty to do, <laughs> Joe. Uh, but and, and then also on top of that, you guys will will appreciate this. Uh, this the social media game for the Bengals has been incredible in the fan yeah. outreach and what they've done differently. Um, Elizabeth Blackburn and Katie Blackburn have have been Um, just absolutely godsend to the organization. I mean, they, they really have, they, and, um, you know, Elizabeth is one of the reasons why I I'm currently working with the Bengals right now, which is so much fun and a blast, but she's just, she, she does so much. She's brought a lot to Cincinnati. brought a lot of national media attention. So to be able to flip on, um, part of my take or flip on, get up or flip on good morning football. And they're talking about the Bengals winning. And going yeah. to the next round and what they can do, and people picking them as a dark horse Super Bowl team and this and rookie of the year, Jamar Chase. And it's just, it's, it's, it's so refreshing. And it's just, it's, it's everything. It's, it's what I live for. I mean, when, when this season's over, I'm, I, I might be over. Like this thing, I'm going, <laughs> I go into hibernation, man. <laughs> A hockey turns on, but man, I don't know how the Jackets are going to be. This yeah, year,
1: <laughs> I mean, you're right, Josh. Like, it feels like the whole voice around the franchise has changed completely this year. Yes. And now that may be like that Marvin's gone and like Andy's gone. And mm-hmm. while those guys were great, like, you know, there's no Carson Palmers anymore. Like no one from that old regime other than like Kevin Huber and Clark Harris. No one's yeah. here anymore from those old teams. And yeah it just feels like the vibe is completely changed. Like you're right. Like Elizabeth Blackburn putting in all the stuff she did this year. Like I went to that Thursday night game against the Jags and like just them shooting off fireworks from the, the roof of the stadium yeah. is like something from a Bengals fan perspective. And like they do the lights thing too, which is cool, but like yeah. something that like, I don't know, they get knocked for not really spending money on things like that. But like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it makes you appreciate it. Like sometimes when you're like, Oh yeah, that did change. That's cool. You yeah. know? And I, I, you're right. Like social media game has been a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. I feel like just also, it's just the tone set by burrow. You know, he's like, yeah. he's not going to say much. He just puts in his work. And then like, I feel like he's very Joe cool. You know, he's yeah. like very even tempered. He's very even keel, but he's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. Jo- uh, Justin will know this Josh, but my favorite part preseason tradition of the Andy Dalton era was a article that would come out every year in training <laughs> camp. Be like, Andy Dalton is looking to take a more vocal lull, a role yeah. within <laughs> the leadership department this year. And like, that's never going to be an issue with Joe. Like that's yeah. never going to be an issue. He's always going to be that guy. And the thing with Andy, that's also different than Joe. People are going to want to come here to play with Joe. Yes, like, Yeah. Yes. I can't say that yes. about Andy. Like, all respect yes. to Andy he's the nicest guy in the world but yeah. like he just he didn't do it he wasn't yeah. that quarterback that no. joe is so no
0: yeah I, I mean you pretty much nailed it on the head you did cover a lot i, I want to try to i try to hit everything here but i mean you, you pretty much nailed it on the head here when small things like the fu- shooting off the fireworks or having the stripe hype team or decorating this the stadium up a little bit more or you know, or, or um, uh, doing the Ring of Honor. Small things like that matter to us, and they matter to Bengals fans. And the Browns have understood that – the, and the Blackburns have understood that that stuff matters, and they, they're they're starting to implement it. They're doing a lot of great things. I hear a lot of banging going on in the background. <laughs> um, they're doing a lot of great things uh, to, to bring in everybody from Cincinnati uh, to Cincinnati and to watch and, and bring a fan base back that has been – desperate for a winner and then also on top of that you're right people are are players are going to come play with joe burrow they see what we're building here we're going to start getting higher and higher level um free agents and especially when the Bengals are spending money on free agents you mentioned trey hendrickson it has had an impeccable year we paid him we paid him a lot of money we signed him to a four-year deal players notice that because a lot of people were not going to take a chance on Trey Hendrickson. He was getting lowballed all over the place. And the Bengals took a chance on him and it worked. The Bengals are taking more chances we, and also on top of that, remember, we have the second most cap space in the NFL next year. So Which we're is gonna have a ridiculous. Lot of, yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's incredible. It is ridiculous. We're going to have a lot of money to spend. We're going to have a lot of free agents wanting to come here. I'm telling you. Like this team is going to be is really really good. Next year's team is, is going to be bona fide Super Bowl contenders.
1: I saw a tweet today. It's like, uh, how, which ownership group do you feel more confident in? It was from December 10th, 2020, and the Reds won in a landslide, 85 to 15. <laughs> Poll only had like a thousand votes, but like the Reds won in a landslide in that vote. And if you ask that same question today, it's 85 15 Bengals.
2: Like yep. it's crazy to think of how much it's changed over a year. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and absolutely. that's one thing that I was going to jump on there too is like, if you look at the way the entire organization was viewed as not just like nationally, but from the fan base itself, like you really couldn't blame a lot of fans for falling off the wagon a bit. Like, yeah, absolutely. because they it, it was clear that the organization was giving up on the fans and it, it seemed like nothing was really like materializing. And mm-hmm. then you just get like, And I want, I really want to know, like, from like an inside perspective, like if somebody could just finite, tell me was that season to get Joe Burrow. Did they just like, was it ever so purposeful? Like how bad was it? Where, like, was it just, we're losing, we're losing, we're losing. Okay. Go with it. Or was it like from the beginning? I see that guy. I like him. That's our guy. Screw this season. We can get him next because like the way that this has changed, like, Joe Burrow is the guy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's there's no question about that. No and question. Any, I, I can guarantee you that 20 per at least 20 of the other teams in the league would look at Joe Burrow right now, and probably more than 20 will look at him right now and say, All right, switch him out, upgrade our QB right now. I don't care who you have on your roster. So many other teams would be able to take him in a heartbeat. Yep. And like, that's a thing where, we haven't had that kind of talent in so long. I mean, AJ green, like had a, you know, a couple really yeah. solid years where like he could have gone anywhere, mm-hmm. but like Joe Burrow looks like that guy. And he looks like he's going to stay that guy, oh, yeah. which feels, yeah. it, it feels nice. And it it it's, it's it something really to look does. forward to because yes. like, we know no matter what the result of this game is or the game after or the game after that or that, like whatever happens in the coming weeks, we know that we have a future in set. Mm-hmm. And like you said, perfectly, Josh, there's only things to look forward to. Yep. And as a Bengals fan, if you're a diehard, if you're a weekender or if you're like, you know, just chiming Band in wagoner. on Twitter. Yeah, like yep. no matter what you are. It's fun to be a Bengals fan right now. It's And it, I and it looks it's, like it's going to be fun to be a Bengals fan for a long time. And it's not just fun to be a Bengals fan. It's fun to be a Cincinnati fan in general.
0: And I tell you what, it, it is so great to be a Cincinnati fan. We have been so spoiled over this past year. We are the football city. I've been trying to coin that. Like Cincinnati <laughs> is the football city. First city to ever have a playoff team in both the NFL and college football. I mean, undefeated. You got Joe Burrow. Both, both. <laughs> savior's war nine like it's literally perfect luke fickle can i mean run can run that university joe burrow runs the the rest of the city like it's it's a great time to be a cincinnati uh, football fan it really really is
2: now we just got to see if the reds can keep up
1: Uh, and more talk about them later and fc cincinnati
0: (laughs) (laughs) fc cincinnati
2: i'm sorry what have you done for me lately
1: hey i was there season
2: one I was there season one. I was bought the hell in this Shot whole totally ride years. and they got me. They freaking got me. And I want to see some product that's worth watching because what we've had is bullshit. Fix it. Justin, we that's can all thank, I have to
1: say. All we can thank FCC for is like uh, putting a bug in both the Reds and Bengals asses and be like, yeah. oh, we actually need to compete. Like th- yeah. there's another team
2: a- here now. And we then have, falling to- off a cliff.
1: Yeah. And
2: splattering into a
1: million pieces. Thanks to them for that. Appreciate it. So, uh, Joshua, I will be in the building on Saturday. You will be in the building on Saturday. Um, What predictions do you have for us? I I don't want to predict the score or anything (laughs) because I am superstitious. Way more superstitious about the Bengals than I am the Bearcats. I get it. But I get it. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday?
0: Well, I mean, the Bengals open up at six and a half. I I love the bet. I'm taking six and a half. I mean, that's they're the second highest, the second highest point spread in the league. It, that's for a reason. They, I always go back to Vegas knows. They 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 just do. Uh, six and a half. I'm ta- I'm taking that six and a half. If the Bengals don't turn the ball over, they will win the game. That's it. That's a, there it is. If they if Joe Burrow keeps not throwing interceptions and he doesn't throw up careless balls and Joe Mixon holds on the football and T. Higgins holds on the football. We'll be just fine. Bengals are going to win. We're going to end this playoff drought. And we're going to we're going to be celebrating on the banks and we're going to party all the way until uh, Monday night. It's going to be great.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think everything is lining up uh, the right way. Uh, like like you said, you know, the Bengals are six and a half point favorites. Derek Carr uh, is not very good in the cold. Yeah, another thing that's interesting—they don't have a way to really practice for like how cold it's going to be on Saturday. No, they can Especially like after going for an all-out war for seventy minutes on Sunday night, like then that quick turnaround time to be the first playoff game of the weekend on Saturday afternoon—it's um, going to be tough for them. And like, I mean, like you know, all of our guys are rested. Raiders have won four in a row, but the Bengals had won three in a row before sitting all the guys on Sunday. So. Yep. I think uh, as long as the Bengals stay hot, you know, I, I don't want to say anything, but don't
0: say, don't say anything. I,
1: I I feel good. How about feel, that? Fuck there the Raiders. Bengals by a
0: million. Bengals by a million. Love it. Justin. <laughs> I absolutely love it.
2: Justin, you don't even care about the curse. Do you <laughs> No, dude? Like I'm so I'm so over this curse. Like it's I don't I don't care it, if it's if it's going to if it's going to happen, it's going to be this year. Like, I mean, if we're supposed to get through it, I mean, and technically like to be fair, like we're the curse has always been the pro sports curse, whatever, but at the same time, like the Bearcats made the playoff. Like, so technically we already broke the curse if you're being technical, but if you're talking Uh, like pro sports and you want to go bangles, reds, all that. Okay. Yeah. We're in the same boat. Like shit sucks up until now, because this is going to be the difference maker. And if I'm wrong, Somebody can clip whatever they want out of this podcast. They can make a mockery of me. I don't care. I'm sick of losing in the playoffs, and this is the year that's going to change. You can't tell me that there's anything different. Otherwise, There's no there's no information out there about the Raiders and about the Bengals. Everything that we've been given about the entire season that tells me that the Bengals will lose this game. We got
0: it. And if we're they in. do, well,
2: in. then hang me at the gallows at
0: high noon. <laughs> because we'll, we'll hang up I a am a black star. square. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, knock, I'm knocking on the I'm knocking <laughs> on the wood here just in case. Yeah.
2: Well, it has been a, a very exciting and fun season um, and I'm glad that we got you in here. At the end of the season, hopefully not the guys. end of the season. This season yep. is going to keep going. Yeah. And maybe we can get you in for a little bit, too, to talk about the Bengals when they go to the Super Bowl. I'd love um,
0: to, man. <laughs> I'd, lo- I'd love to. And, you know, we'd talk. I'd love to talk about some draft prospects from coming from the Bearcats. Maybe yeah. staying a home? Staying that is, home?
2: That would be staying absolutely home?
0: lovely. Absolutely. All but right, we know
2: but, you got another show to get on, yep, too. He's a busy man.
0: Busy but man. Again,
2: thank you, Josh, for joining us. Coming back. It's always nice to have you on. Um, and hopefully the bangles get it done and break this fucking curse. I'm break the curse, so sick man. of it. Everybody else is. let's just get it over with
0: break the curse, rip man. that hey, band-aid off, rip it off, rip it off. I got to tell you what it, it is an absolute, you know, dream to come back. I love, I love this show. This is, this is where I started my podcast career. And this is where I fell in love with it, with these two fucks right here. <laughs> uh, I had so much fun guys. Thank you so much for having me on who day. Let's get a win. And, uh, can't wait to come back on. Thanks, Joshy. Can I do the Viva La Cats?
2: You might as well. We haven't Yay! done it in a while. <laughs> All right. It's, well, I'll start it I, off. It's,
0: it's, been a, man, it's, it's been a little, it's been a <laughs> long time since I've done it. So I, I need to, <clears throat> okay. I'm ready. Viva La Cats. Uday! All right, fellas. Have a good one. I'll see you guys later.
2: Yeah. Take care, Josh.
0: All, All right. Love you guys. At Back Row Bangles on Twitter. <laughs> see ya.